Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red Little Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 125. And you want to, if you want to listen to this one, as well as our previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and potentially a review. Uh, as you might be able to tell already, I am playing a little hurt. We're also down one since Sergio is hurt so much. He does not have a voice. And for a podcast, that is rather important. So you've given Sergio the weekend off. He'll come back during the World Cup break, hopefully, and uh, actually be uh, good to go again. So let me bring in the two others who are here. Samuel Presti. Hello, Sam. That's, uh, it, it definitely is in an audio medium a... Uh... An important thing to have the voice. If we were a video, po- if we were a vidcast, what do you think? Would he like be holding things up like Wiley e. Coyote? Yeah, I'd just be writing yeah. writing on a whiteboard, <laughs> forcing people to probably read backwards because I'd screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, hey, yeah, good to be here too. And uh, yeah, hope Sergio and you uh, get better soon. You know, get all the drink as much water as you need to, and just uh, yeah, rest and do all the stuff you need to do to. To keep it 100, as, uh, you know, as the sign goes. <laughs> keep it 100. That's right. As, well, as Juventus has been doing, keeping it 100. Ah, hey. transition. Hey. There, you there you go. <laughs> Shout out to my man, Drake. That's right. Well, as you can tell, we're in a good mood again this week after uh, last week's episode with the win over Inter. We're coming to you a few hours after the win over Lazio and Mauricio Sari and his uh, bright white dad shoes. So, uh let me rest my voice and chucks what is your takeaway from the week that was well i have one and a half takeaways uh the half one is like wow one one i just have to mention is like wow we're actually a good team again it's just extraordinary i mean we're good it's yeah really amazing it's been what over a year and a half i guess because last i mean i thought because last season we were demonstrably worse than with beerlo so that was bad. And then for the first, I don't know, quarter or so of this season, we're pretty bad. So this is, I mean, this has to be the first time since some good days during the Beerlo era that we're actually like consistently good again. So that's uh yeah, great thing to great thing to see. But yeah, then my kind of bigger, bigger takeaway is um yeah, with uh Milik, um Arik, uh, or I gotta use Milik. I try to say his full name. Uh, it's a little uh bit of a, a tongue twister but but yeah i mean people were talking about him in the comment section and you know he obviously started life with uve very well and like surprisingly well didn't score too much then and had a bit of, had that injury uh, but i think i mean this is kind of early days and still not fully this is kind of a very initial thought on him but i'm starting to think of him as kind of a um manjukic 2.0 kind of player where it's like you know he's not really going to like score, you know, hat tricks uh, all over the place, but he's going to score just enough to kind of, you know, maintain a good output, but he's really just a hard worker and he just does a lot of defensive work and does a lot of the thankless work as a striker that the less glamorous work as a striker that that Manjukic would, you know, do back in the days as well. Just really, yeah, harass defenders and put in a lot more defensive work than, uh, than other attacking players. And Hey, I mean, I appreciate it. And I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's good for the balance of the team to have, you know, I mean, as the cliche goes, your your attack is your first line of defense. So to have Milik as that kind of first line of defense, and, and he's a big guy, you know, pretty uh, pretty physical guy. So 
yeah, let's see. I mean, again, kind of early days and thought just came to me just recently. But, you know, let's see if uh, see if that's something that really becomes his kind of identity, I guess. I mean, he's 20 something, 26, 27 or something. So, you know, he's uh, not exactly just starting his career. But, yeah, let's see if this is maybe kind of a second win in his career. Did you bring up uh, Milik as a Mandzukic-ish kind of player in your Hellas recap, Sam? I think I remember that. I did. Yes, I did. Huh? Or, or cer- certainly that he had been playing like it the last couple of uh, in the last couple of days. I did. I did make that comparison on on Thursday. Yes. Well, look at that. Like minds. Nice. I know. Right? I did not. Uh, sorry, I did not read that. But how dare you? It, it shows <laughs> ah, that shows ah. that we're on the same line, man. So that's actually better that I did not read it because then it wasn't choreographed. Eh? Eh? <laughs> that's right. Come on. You're not catering to Sam. Ah, you know, kind of wiggled my wiggled my way out of there like Federico Chiesa <laughs> would dance past defenders. Ah, yes. <laughs> the man who got his first assist today. Indeed. All right, Sam, what you got? For after today, I mean, what else can you say but dang, make some noise, right? <laughs> Keane's been on a tear. And I think that's he's one of the last players that we were expecting to go on a tear. And yet here we are. He's scored five goals out of his last five games. This last one was that he just played a great game. Like there were a couple of games. He's played a couple of games over the course of the last season and a half where he'll play like crap and then just kind of run into a goal. Like, like, frankly, the, the game against Hellas on Thursday, he did not play particularly well and just had one really good moment and a lucky bounce and and in the ball went but today was just such a good game from him he was moving into the right areas he was playing really hard he he was coming back to defend as well and that first goal i mean sure it was it, he he took advantage of a little bit of really awful goalkeeping on the part of ivan provadel i can uh, danny i assume you were looking at that going eee. yeah that was a questionable kind of yeah jaunt out of the yeah. coal he had, box he had, like he had three he had there were three defenders around him and he still ran out like that that's but i'm glad he did because it gave kane the perfect opportunity to just that was such a, a really great flick and then he was right where he needed to be for the rebound on that shot from kostich for his second goal so it was a great day for him and, you know, he's been getting a lot of crap, deservedly so. Kind of, you said this in your, your post game, Danny. He's been getting a lot of crap, very deservedly so, because he has not played particularly well this year and last year. But man, these last four or five games, he has started to look a little bit more like, like the kid that we all thought maybe wondering about whether or not you'd keep him and give him the nine right then and there. I certainly proposed that a couple of times before that first season. You know, if he keeps on doing this, then it makes things, I think, a lot easier for Juventus because, you know, they were there's been so much talk of, you know, rehoming him at the end of the at the end of the season. And if he keeps playing like this, that's not going to be a decision you have to make. And you have a really solid addition to your front line. You know, hopefully he just keeps this going. Yeah, and you you mentioned the Hellas Verona game, so now we will mention the good part of the Hellas Verona game, and that is that Juventus won. Okay, on to the Lazio <laughs> one. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll do, I will mention one one thing about that game, which is that you have something that, actually uh, other than Juventus one to say about that game. Well, <laughs> well yeah, yes, remarkably yes. Um, <laughs> which is that that game went exactly as I expected it to go. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, it was it was pretty predictable that Juventus yeah. would come out in the way they did, and wasn't it? I mean, especially knowing what. I mean, we've seen it after big Champions League wins before. Right. Can't really say right. that this year because there are no big Champions League wins. But yeah, it was it was definitely the uh, the big win hangover. That uh, <laughs> and and honestly, who who knows how much that a game what two and a half days later also played into it. Yeah. So yeah, I was I gonna know. say let's not forget just the fixture congestion, which is hell. I feel like it's something we say almost every six months or something. But you know the fixture fixture congestion just with the World Cup coming up and just the amount of games we played in the last two months. I mean it's 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 a lot. Yeah. So. Obviously, we we sit here now. Are we? We're officially in the World Cup break, right? So, Juventus uh, third place, a couple points behind AC Milan in second. Winners six out of the last six uh, wins. Their shutout streak is, I think, closing in on almost six hundred consecutive minutes. Obviously, in today's game, as as we alluded to, we saw Moiskin score a couple goals. We saw Adric Milik score a goal. We saw Federico Chiesa get his first assist since, ironically, the game in which he blew up his knee. Uh, Philip Kostic had a, another assist. I mean, there were a lot of good things, even in a game that had a first half that wasn't exactly all that great to watch. I mean, it was pretty, I think they maybe a little too kindly on the Paramount broadcast said, said it was a cagey first half. It was really kind of like, no, you, no, you kind of take it. No, you take it. No, you take it. I mean, it was really kind of, Seemed like two teams who wanted to counterattack. They didn't really know what else to do. So I guess I'll turn it over to you guys. What were your thoughts on the Lazio win? And now that we're officially in the World Cup break, how are you feeling about Juventus now that they've suddenly gone on this winning streak? I mean, when it came to Lazio, the the first thing for me was I, I don't know what Allegri did to go into his cave and and come up with this, but you know, Lazio had been playing very well, even without Chiro Immobile with, with Felipe Anderson playing that false nine role. And we managed to really shut that up. You know, there are a number of reasons why you could possibly think, you know, they just lost, they lost Zaccagni a couple of weeks ago. They lost Lazzari on the right flank. That that probably would have been a, a big help if they wanted to make some sustained attacks. But really what it came down to was, Juve was the team that was more on point and more in focus when it came to their play, ironically, in the midfield. And the giveaway, and because those first two goals were both directly off of midfield giveaways that turned into two or three touch counterattacks. And Juve was off, and they were off and scoring. Juve never gave that opportunity to Lazio. And I think part of it was that they just didn't have that reference point up top, which in certain games has been okay for them. But when you have two guys in Danilo and Bremer who are just playing very, very well right now, and also I, major props for Federico Gatti today because this was clearly his best game as a as a top flight player. You know, Juve went into in that three five two. And they did what a lot of teams did to Juventus when Maurizio Sarri was the coach. They forced a lot of, of lateral passing in the final third. 
they they sealed off the spaces. You know, things were a little different there with uh, with Sadi, just because you had Iguain and or Ronaldo there as major reference points for the attack, and you could go up to them. But you know, you've got you know a guy like Felipe Anderson who's what five eight five nine, and and you've got two sequoias back there in Gatti and Bremer. Like those are large humans, and there was there was going to be no crossing there. I mean, out, outside of Milinkovic Savage, did it really did Lazio really have a a consistent threat in the air outside of set pieces? No, I don't think so. And and that is something that and it's interesting. That's something that you know something that Mike Grella actually said on the Paramount broadcast, surprisingly, right before. Sergei Milinkovic Savic came off the field, although I have a funny feeling that had to do with uh, that that was an injury related move because that uh, that tackle that he had with uh, that he got hit with by Locatelli to get Milinkovic Savic further up the field to give them something to aim at because you just didn't have anything. They were just hitting balls that would just go over the head of of Anderson. There was no way that he was going to be competing with with a guy like Bremer for aerial balls. So they just had to, they had to keep trying to play through. And that's the advantage of a three, five, two in against teams like that. You know, a, a team that's set up that way, you can just funnel them into the middle and stop them cold. And that's pretty much what we saw for the entirety of the game was just absolutely no passing lanes in the final third for, for Lazio to make any sort of, of danger out of. It was a well-played game defensively. It was it was well set up. I don't praise Massimiliano Allegri often, but I'll do so here. He he did, you know, he 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 had, he came up with a good setup. He said before the game that he uh, that he liked the idea of Kane attacking Lazio's high line. That proved to be true. Uh, that proved to to pay dividends, and. Just in general, those those two or three those two or three touch counterattacks that we found, you know, that Juventus were able to find after getting the ball in midfield were the difference. They they got those balls out from Lazio, and Lazio did not get those balls out from Juve when Juve was in possession. Chucks, before you jump jump in here, I, I mistakenly said that uh Bill Kostic had another assist to his Adrian Rabio, who had another assist out. Yes. I am sorry to the Rabio family. And and that is making that mistake, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess Kostic kind of had a you know his shot and led to the goal. So yes, I mean, sort yes. of an assist. That's what so, I was thinking. Of. Yeah, semi assist, I guess. Um, hockey assist. There we go. Yeah, yeah, hockey assist. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like Sam with the first half just being, you know, I mean, yeah, KG or yeah, Danny, like you mentioned as well, uh, with it being you know KG, <laughs> which was saying it lightly, obviously. But I mean, I agree, and and. I, I had to remind myself, though, um, looking at like the stats of the CIA stats, um, I had to remind myself that these were the two best defenses uh, in the league going up against each other. So then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense in that, you know, in that respect. And obviously, Juve has been, you know, way more in form lately. But I mean, we still don't score that many goals. I mean, just looking at um, also the, the stats count here in terms of goals scored, we're on fifth place after today's game. Lazio have 26 goals, um, two more than Juve's 24 goals uh, in the league. 
But then, of course, yeah, like I said, the two best defenses in the league going up against each other. So, um, so you know, I think that probably contributed just to the chess game kind of feeling of the first half, just being, yeah, very tactical game in typical Italian fashion, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, still, I think things kind of came alive in the second half then, which is good. I mean, with just with it kind of becoming like a classic Allegri team, I guess, you know, just soaking up the pressure and just hitting them on the counterattack and just being, you know, typical. It's strange because it's what I was thinking today as well. It's like, you know, if you look at just the personnel, and I mean, we can talk about this a little bit more later, but, you know, looking at the personnel and it's like, now we're suddenly, I mean, very good. I mean, impressively again. And I just think back and I, you know, look at it from the start of the season. I'm like, well, what changed? I mean, personnel wise, nothing really changed. I mean, the just fit again. If anything, we're worse off now because we have more injuries now. Um, so it's just like, it's so bizarre. It's like, what changed from us being just so like, so bad at the start of the season and, and in the Champions League, of course, as well. And now suddenly just really being classic Allegri team again. You know, just looking at the Lazio game, I think this was probably the most consistently good game we've had of the season in, in the sense that like, you know, Inter against Inter, we were good, of course. But I think against Inter in the first half, we were, I mean, I thought we were pretty well second best in the in the first half. And then, you know, second half, we uh, came alive and beat them quite well. I think this is the first game where we were really just like first half, second half against a big team as well. Uh, first half, second half, we were just like consistently good. I think, you know, again, in the first half, I mean, it was cagey affair, but I think overall we were slightly edged it in the first half. And then, of course, in the second half, I mean, again, we came alive again and, uh, you know, really uh, swept Lazio away. So that's, I think that's very nice for me, very uh, encouraging. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, encouraging for me to see just that there was just this kind of consistent level of performance throughout the entire game, not just like really bad and then really good or vice versa. That to me means more than just like the result as well. You mentioned the improvement. I think the biggest improvement for me is that the second halves, especially against Inter and now Lazio, they're getting better. Uh-huh. You know, we, we've obviously been harping on Allegri a lot over the last year and a half, but it feels like he's actually trying to implement some changes at the halftime rather than, all right, let's just stick with it and see what happens. You saw it kind of early in the second half before Keane got his second goal, and, you know, Juve's pressing high up the field. We didn't really see a lot of that in the first half, but you could tell they wanted to up the pressure at least a little bit, and obviously the, the press and and everything, you know, forced some turnovers and allowed Juve to, you know, have some decent possession. And, and obviously they kind of seeded that as the, as the game went on and they were, they were up to nothing, but yeah, I think the second half improvements and obviously on top of that, having the defense playing so well is really kind of the two big things in the big games that stick out to me besides the obvious fact that they're actually winning these big games compared to, you know, we were kind of quoting that running tweet the last few months where it's like, you know, Max has one win in, you know, 16, 17, quote unquote, big games. And now it's two of the last two. And guess what? This is, this is what you need to do to go from eighth place to third place in the span of a month. You need to not only win consistently, but also if the, those big games do come up on your schedule and it's against a direct rival for the top four, you need to win them. And, you know, last year they didn't do that. And, we saw what happened, and now this year, after some struggles, you know, most notably against Milan, they're 
you know, getting wins against Inter. They're getting a win against Lazio, and now, hey, <laughs> they go into World Cup break, all of two points out of second place. I didn't see that coming. Neither did I. And and I think that the biggest, Chucks, you were saying what the difference is. The biggest difference is, and this is a situation where I'll I'll cede a tiny bit to Sergio. I'm I'm unfor- it's unfortunate he's not here. You know, talking about how you know there are different you know there are different ways to play well. You know, Juve may not be pushing hard on the front foot in possession all the time, but I, I, I've talked before about how how so often since Allegri came back, Juventus have been playing reactive as opposed to proactive, and even though they are still technically mostly playing for the counter, it seems like they are more proactive in that stance than they were at the beginning of the season. Now, even when they're they're sitting back a little bit, they still are going to push the ball carrier. They're going to get a guy, you know, they're going to get a guy uncomfortable. They're going to force a turnover as opposed to just kind of sitting and waiting for the ball to get there to, to somebody to try to start playing out or breaking out to either playing out of the back or breaking out of the back with us with a big pass. I think that's the main thing you saw, you know, the, you know, Rabio just stepping up into that dribble of Milinkovic Savic to, to trigger the first goal, the early, that, that press early in the second half after Kane scored his second goal, like you said, Danny, they're being more proactive, even though they are in that kind of sit back and counter mode. And that is making the counters that finally come more effective than they were at the beginning of the year. So I, th- I think that is, that's the major thing. Because, you know, before, you know, in, in games like, you know, like the, like the Milan game, like the first half of the PSG game in Paris, they were just sitting back and letting the other guy and letting the opponent do basically, you know, do their move. And the idea was stop their move and then we'll see what's go what to, what we're doing. And And the other thing is that, these guys, they seem to be, I made the point after the Benfica game, both here on the pod and in my, my article, that it really looked like the bit, you know, the, the big difference between the, between Benfica and Juve in that second Benfica game was that Benfica knew exactly where the ball was going to go. The minute they got the ball at their feet, even before they knew where it was going, Juve would have to get the ball, look up, wonder, see, read the field, then maybe make a decision. And those decisions are coming quicker now. You know, the, the ball is moving faster when they do have it. And that is another contributing factor to to really just playing a lot better lately. And it's like, you you know, you have to do that, right? <laughs> if you're counterattacking team, it's like, that's the one thing you, di- you do, counterattacking. It's like, you have to do that well. And yeah, I'm glad that that's now more of a... I guess becoming more effective, but it's like, you know, you would hope like you bloody well hope that if you're a counterattacking team, all right, the one thing we're gonna do is counterattack real well. So, you know, thankfully that is <laughs> that is working out well. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just becoming or is at least during the last six games, just a classic Allegri team again, which is just again, you know, soak up pressure and counterattack and give very little away defensively and you know, and it's Perhaps not a coincidence that it's back in that three-five-two formation again, and to trust the old three-five-two, uh, which you know I know we had tried a long time that four-four-two, which yeah, oh well, I guess it was kind of that lopsided four-four-two with Adrian Rabio on the left, and you know, uh, it's just to me it never really 
it never really kicked off that formation or just that style of play. But, you know, now back to the usual 3-5-2 and again against Lazio and against Inter and of course against, well, Hellas Verona, I mean, yeah, I guess, but... We've, we've said um, all we need to say about the Hellas Verona. Yeah, yeah, again, that we, it, we, it shall not be spoken of <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, against Lazio again, just very effectively just, you know, didn't give, give them any space to do anything and just always counterattacking very effectively, mostly through Kostic, um, I think it was, but... Yeah, counterattacking effectively. And and like you said, Sam, them not having or them not playing anyway. I think he was fit Gio Immobile. He was fit, but no, he was not fit. Oh, he was not. Oh, because I know he, he came was on he last was, game. He he came in for he came on on Thursday for a sub appearance and and re aggravated the injury. Oh, oh that's why he did not play today. Yeah, that's football for you. <laughs> but yeah, not having that focal point. I mean, they because Alders forward players, um, which were, you know, Pedro Rodriguez, uh, Felipe Anderson, and Luca Romero. Um, I mean, they're all kind of little guys, right? I mean, they were, yeah. yeah, they were all just like three little guys, which is nice for just having a very dynamic uh, style of play and just a dynamic front line. But like you said, missing that um, focal point in attack, that just, I guess it, it almost gives like Gatti, Bremer, and Danilo, like not really anyone to mark. <laughs> because it's you know you have wingers like that they don't want to play physical they want to get the you know they don't want to get the ball like right in their feet it's you know? marking but it's a different kind of marking yeah yeah it's, it's not it's, it's not say you know when Bremer was having to play against Dusan Vlaovic right it's right now it's, yeah it's you're you're more so worried about the speed rather than the the physicality I mean right I remember it was I, I can't remember if it was the first half or the second half but Bremer's trying to chase down Pedro on a run he was making it, you know, kind of basically outside of the box. And obviously the first thing you notice is the height, you know, the height advantage that Bremer has, but it's also like, even though Pedro's what, 35, 36, it's like, there's still some speed. There's a speed element there. So, you know, Bremer had to foul him and thankfully the free kick didn't result in anything, but yeah, it it was just, it was different. But again, Bremer lately has been the Bremer of Torino compared to the Bremer of his first kind of first month or two at Juventus where the, you know, it wasn't necessarily solid footing. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely led the team uh, defensively, which I mean, there has been kind of a vacuum in terms of leadership at the back. I mean, again, we've talked about Bumichi um, many times now, just about how he's, I mean, and it has to be pointed out that Bonucci was left out of the two big games this week right. and played against Lecce. Ellis, right. Hellas, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, brain. And and played against Hellas. I think that's telling. And and also another Danilo again with the captain's armband, even though Juan Cuadrado was on the field. So there we're we're seeing a leadership change. We're seeing this team undergo a leadership change right before our eyes mid-season, which you don't often see. I'm surprised nobody's asked about it yet. But uh, maybe you know, we should get Pierce media, Morgan on that. Uh, <laughs> He's busy uh, yeah. interviewing other people, Chucks. He's, yeah. he's he's busy he he's busy doing things that I'm not supposed to mention on the air <laughs> with with a certain Portuguese dude. Based on their interaction during the game, maybe we should ask Malinkovic Savage because he was feeling up Juan oh, Cuadrado's yeah. afro a little bit. He was checking out that hair. Yeah, yeah. absurd. Yeah, <laughs> and those are the kinds of things that VAR are for. It's like, yo, man, come on, man. Like, Reminds you know. uh, well, I, well, I mean, Quadrado was defending there, so it wouldn't have mattered unless Lazio had scored on that play. Yeah, but yeah. R- reminded me a little bit of when Chiellini yanked Edinson Cavani down by by the back <laughs> of his hair. <laughs> yeah, 
that wet wet hair oh yeah or that or that video that went viral a few years ago of that uh that woman in the ncaa's in an yes. ncaa women's game who just like just re- repeatedly grabbed other players ponytails and threw them to the ground and i'm just sitting there going like how did this how did she not i don't think she ever got sent off or anything for it i'm just like how did she manage to do that all that time yeah you wonder <laughs> you do wonder <laughs> but um it, it was interesting given the you know, given the rumors about Milinkovic Savic that started to trickle out again this week. Yeah, convenient timing, right? It was <laughs> it was very convenient timing that this game happened and that, that it happened right before this game. And he didn't exactly put together a reel that would be particularly convincing. No, no. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Adrian Rabio outplayed him. Yeah, and, and there were he had a couple of, of balls that were that that were played well that just didn't quite come off but overall he did not have that great a game obviously the team made the turnover that that led to the opening goal and i don't know if this is in the twitter questions or not but i'm you know i hope i'm not spoiling anybody's uh anybody's twitter question on the air but i I looked at those reports i looked at this game and i go are we gonna spend that money when we've i mean how italian a move is it to spend all that money on guy on a midfielder on Milinkovic Savic, when you've got Fajoli breaking out, you've got Miretti breaking out, you've got Rovella playing really freaking well at Monza, and you're gonna spend more money, you know, spend that much money when you the fullback and center back positions are gonna need a major upgrade in the next two transfer windows. And we we actually do have a, a Twitter question or two about it, I think. But remind me, it, have the rumors been about Juventus signing him in January or the summer? Because I feel like they've been more January. The most recent report that I read said that they would like it in January, but probably can't bring it off financially in January and are trying to set up a summer move. That I mean, maybe that changes if you see something like Weston McKinney get sold to a Prem team or something like that. One thing that I think, I, th- I think we've mentioned this before. I don't know if I've said this before on, on the pod, but the one thing that's going to be very, very interesting about this winter is that this this transfer window is going to be much different than we usually see a winter transfer window in because a couple of guys are going to have big world cups and there's going to be some money thrown that way i know we've got a few twitter questions about him as well but i i wouldn't be surprised if say weston mckinney has a big world cup with the u.s men regardless of how the u.s men do yeah. That suddenly Juventus becomes a little more open to offers for for Weston than they might have been over yeah. the summer. And that's also a result of, like you said, Fajoli breaking out, Moretti being, you know, being pretty solid lately and and just the, the numbers game that with Pogba and coming with back. With Pogba coming back, yeah. That, who knows where all the playing time's gonna go. Yeah. And that also brings up the the next point of, you know. You bring in Milinkovic Savic, well then where does all that playing time go for Bajoli, for Miretti, for Locatelli? You know, especially if you if you insist on on redeeming Paredes, which I I really, I really hope they don't do. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that it would be a a good use of resources given what we need out on the flanks and in the center of defense. Now, since we're on the topic of the midfield, I'll throw this out before we get to the actual Twitter questions. When Juventus plays its next game, it will be at a time in which Adrian Rabio is open to talk to whoever he so pleases. 
or I guess his, mm. his mother is open to <laughs> talk to whoever she so pleases. And I think this is uh, something that we can we can definitely throw out to the to the blog as well. Is this becoming a season in which Rabio has earned himself another contract? And I guess mm. I know we I know we had it a little bit last week where it's like you know what salary would you be willing to give Rabio to keep him around? But say Veronique comes back and says, okay, we'll we'll stick around at eight million a year. Well, she's already come up. She apparently, according to the rumors, that, uh, the reports that came out this week, she's already come at us with ten. Okay, so let's say ten, which would, or or maybe a million less, because you know Juventus is probably going to try and lowball it a little bit. Yeah. Would you be willing to have Adrian Rabio on a big salary for another contract? Regardless of his form, he is not good enough to be considered the highest paid to be the highest paid player on the team. <laughs> like that would be more uh. than. That, that would be more just, just thinking about it now. It's like knowing, <laughs> knowing who Juventus has had is like their quote unquote highest paid players outside of Ronaldo because that's obviously a, a complete albatross. It's like Paulo Dybala. Okay, that makes sense. Matthias Delict. Okay, that makes sense knowing how <laughs> potential wise, how good we thought he might be and how he might fit in before he left for Bayern. Other players, Vlavic, you know, I would assume Kies is going to be up there in a few years. And then you throw in Adrian Rabio. Adrian <laughs> Rabio. Yeah. No, there's, you know, regardless of how good he plays, he's not that good. He's not that up there. If 10 is really what Veronique wants, have fun at Newcastle. Like, <laughs> they're going to win the Premier League. Go on, Newcastle. And they're what? Fourth place? Third, uh, I think. Third or fourth? Yeah, something like that. Fifth Castle. One thing that I saw in the same report that I read was that apparently. That that request for ten million is bolstered by the fact that they're already aware through intermediaries that you know aren't quite don't quite break the rules that the Premier League has a a high offer coming. Some there's someone in the Premier League has a high offer coming for him uh, in free agency once he can negotiate, and that's what's making her bold enough to look at Juventus and say, "I want you to pay my my son who's played maybe." two half seasons at, at top level in the four years that he's been with you, two and a half million euros more than anybody else you pay. But yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly, I would not bring him back at the type of money that his mom gent wants. <laughs> and, and frankly, it would be a, I mean, I wouldn't, at this rate, I wouldn't budge from where he is now. Maybe give him like eight or, you know, Easily reachable incentives to push him a million, a million and a half higher, but he's still not a player that's worth that much money to me. Yeah, I mean, Rabio has been here since, let me see, 2019. So that is three seasons then, 19, yep. 20, 2021. Or this, this is his fourth then, right? Yep. Uh, wait, am I doing math right? Yeah, this is his fourth. This is his yes. fourth. So I'm just looking at it from like, you know, you asked about the raise in, in terms of like how much would we be willing to pay for him and his salary. You know, I look at it from perspective of a regular job. So, you know, if I was at a regular company and time is coming up to like, I don't know, negotiate a pay raise, like how does that usually go? Well, usually they'll look at, you know, your performance over however X amount of time. Well, basically, I mean, at a regular company, they'll, they'll look at your performance since the last raise, I think. So in this case, comparable uh, it would be just since his contract here at Juve started. So, you know, you'd have to look at his performance just throughout his Juve career. Like, how well has he played? And then does that justify a raise or not? 
well, based on that, no. <laughs> I mean, based on his performance throughout the entire his entire Juve, I guess, stay or his entire Juve career, right? I mean, no, I don't think it, it justifies a raise based on the last like three months or so. Yes, but we're, you know, we, I mean, that that's recency bias. You can't just look at the last few months and base this such a big decision just on that. So. Based on that, I don't think a raise is justified. I mean, I don't think you can cut his wages. <laughs> Has that ever happened? I wonder if if a contract renewal is as I mean, except when it's oh, like I don't know for for older players. Deshilio did it this year, I think. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, I, I would think you know the likes of Chiellini. I know didn't Del Piero do it his last few contracts? Yeah, but I find that kind of more extraordinary cases. Like you know, those are players that like at the end of the career. And I think I remember before and did it as well. And like they have kind of like special kind of bond with their like yeah. And uh, we we talked about it last year, and I can't remember if it was this time or maybe during the January transfer window when Juventus had what six or seven free agents to be right. Yep. And the the report I remember the report from Tuto Sport was like, you know, Juventus are offering these players new contracts. However, if they want to stay, they have to take this amount of a pay cut. And, you yeah. know, for, for somebody like Carlo Pinsolio, okay, whatever. He's a third goalkeeper. That's not a huge deal. Right. But for somebody, somebody like Paulo Dybala, who, as we know, had a handshake agreement with Juventus, okay. never actually signed that handshake agreement, and then all of a sudden was offered, what, two or two and a half million less than what that agreement was, mm-hmm. then yeah. that becomes yeah. an issue. Yeah, so I guess for players that are like starters slash Kind of like, I mean, Rabio's 27, I believe. So he's, I mean, technically at the peak of his career. I mean, that's usually 27, 28 ish. That's usually kind of your peak of your career. So, you know, yeah, I mean, could you, he justify, I don't think he can justify pay cut. I don't think he can justify much of a raise to me. I would say, I mean, he's on seven right now. I mean, I would say maximum eight. And otherwise, you just have to be willing to walk away. I mean, you know, I'd read a negotiation book. Uh, some, I mean, I've read a few, but one I really liked was Chris Voss's book, uh, Never Split the Difference. And I mean, just just in general, in the world of negotiation, I mean, yeah, you have to just be willing to walk away from the negotiation and have a price and say, okay, look, you know, based on these metrics, I think, like, we think that this salary, this new salary is justified. I mean, don't give him an ultimatum like oh take it or leave it but just be like okay let's start a dialogue from here of like okay we think i don't know let's say eight million we think based on your performance throughout the three four seasons you've been with us this number is justified yes no maybe i just have a feeling that veronique is going to come in be like knowing what she did when she was negotiating with manchester united if if manchester united who, as we know, over the last few years, have not been afraid from throwing a lot of money at mediocre players. Mm-hmm. Knowing what she asked Manchester United, she's not going to be like, okay, my son has just had a really good season or is in the midst of a really good season. I'm going to ask for less than that. You know? All right. mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he, he hasn't, in terms of potential salary demands, I don't think he's hurt his case in terms of... Yeah. Yeah. But as we know, as we know, because we've watched him over the last three and a half years, he hasn't always played like he has the last few months. You know, he had that good spell after lockdown, but then the next two seasons were not that great. And then all of a sudden now again, he's like, he's, he's showing essentially to be that kind of player that he was post lockdown. But, you know, it's, it's kind of always sitting in the back of my mind. Is this going to 
is this going to last? Is this is this who Adrian Rabio is, or if are we going to be sitting here in February like, yeah, whatever, kick rocks, dude. Yeah, and and you know, again, I, I try and think of like, okay, both parties, what would they say, or what would I say if I were in their shoes? Of course, you know, like you said, Rabio and Leonique would say, okay, you know, look at the great, well, first half of the season at least, or hopefully, entire season. Look at the great season I've had. You know, give me more money. Well, then if I were you, they would say, okay, great. Look at this entire season. Look at the prior three you had. And uh, well, that wasn't exactly a shining example. But then again, if I were Rabio, again, I would say, well, you played me out of position for basically three seasons, you know, and which is a completely valid point. I mean, no surprise. He's playing some of his best football for Juve now that he's actually playing in his regular position. So, you know, there, I guess there are a lot of like both sides have some arguments they can make. But then also, I would hope, and that's something, again, I learned from that negotiation book, understanding that there are just many different variables on a negotiation that you can negotiate. Okay, there's the big one is obviously your annual salary, but there's there are many little things you can negotiate on. You can say, okay, I'll take a lower base salary and then take like, uh, then agree to like bonuses or something. Uh, if, you know, X number of performances, X number of goals, X number of assists, or, uh, you know, I don't know, some kind of other... Or maybe the length of the contract. Or XG. That's that's going to be a key question as well. I mean, he's, again, he's 27. What's it going to be? Three-year contract? Two-year? Four-year? Who knows, you know? So I think I would hope both parties are kind of creative in that sense and not just stick on, okay, it's just the wage. You want this number? I, we want this number. Okay, that's it. You know, and just really kind of try and negotiate on different fronts. But I, don't know. I mean, these are these are the experts, right? They've been These are the adults. They've been in this... You know, they've been on this rodeo for years, but I don't know, the older I get, the more I realize nobody knows what the hell they're doing in life. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows, people. We act like we do, but nobody knows. That's right. Uh, Shall we get to some Twitter questions, gentlemen? Yes, let's do it. We mentioned him a few minutes ago, so I will ask these questions in tandem since they're about the same person. First one here from at Cristiano. No, not that one. At Cristiano (laughs) Pesci. What happens to Weston McKinney in the new year? And from at Norman Bates 60, what's the easiest way to sell Weston McKinney? Because that has to happen now with McKinney getting injured has suddenly been the best thing that has happened to Nicolo Fagioli and Fabio Moretti. Yeah, I think you said that you said it, Danny, a lot has to do with the World Cup that he has. You know, if he has if he has a major World Cup, then it would not surprise me to see a bunch of teams from the Premier League coming on with an offer. You know, we've heard that, uh, you know, there there have been rumors that Fabio Paratici has wanted him at Tottenham. And obviously he he's the one who brought him into Juve in the first place. If he has a good World Cup, I get the feeling there will be offers. And if given how well Fajoli's playing, given, you know, the fact that Miretti has really settled himself into a, in, into a, a consistent role as a, as a first team player. And given the fact that Paul Pogba is indeed returning soon, we hope. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can see a sale being made, you know, especially with the team's finances being what they are. And especially if they want to fund, and especially if that can fund something else, like, uh, you've seen the the I don't know you guys saw the reports this week connecting us to Alvaro uh, Odorizola from Real Madrid, Fiorentina legend. 
Yeah, but that's actually a that's a that's a connection that I really like. I like Dodorizola. I like the way he played for Fiorentina last year, and I think that would be a real breath of fresh air at the right back spot. So if if there's somebody that they want like Odorizola, and that move is in the is in the offing in January, and selling McKenney is the way to fund it, I can absolutely seeing them do that if the right offer comes by. Yeah, I mean, I'm not well. Actually, before I answer that question, um, <laughs> my question to uh, the uh, person that asked the uh, question on Twitter is: uh, Do you have a blue check mark or not? Are you no. verified? Oh god! Because <laughs> because you, you, you had to do, you, you got a blue check there? mark. If you ain't got the blue check mark, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if it's real or not. And I don't know if we're going to be. I mean, at this rate, I don't know if we're going to be doing Twitter questions within the next couple of months <laughs> because right. the thing is just going to be ashes. But hey, yeah. our our blog account has a blue check mark, and we did not pay for it. Uh, no, we did not. Hey. Mm. And that neither is, did that's... SB Nation. That's on the record. <laughs> that is on the record. Uh, but yeah, jokes aside. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be too premature with you know, selling McKenney and, you know, just based on like recent games with Fajoli really coming into, uh, you know, coming into the first team and really establishing his place in the first team. Uh, obviously, Miretti doing well. Uh, also, um, you know, let's, I mean, let's not forget multiple things. Um, first of all, you know, like you said, Pogba coming back from injury, Pogba still is injury prone. So even if he's going to be back, I mean, I mean, how, it's kind of like with Dybala, right? Like how much can you like, can you count on him for an entire season or do you kind of have to like discount him? Like, okay, he's going to be here for like, I, I don't you, know, 70%. The depth. I think you've got the depth to deal with that though right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking about. Like, okay, I'm trying to think about the depth. So you even, know, again, even without, even without McKenny, I think we have, you have the depth to deal with that right now. Yeah. I mean, well, so like, again, so, I mean, we have Locatelli, Paredes, kind of a glut of midfielders, I guess, but Locatelli, Paredes, um, Miretti and Rabio, uh, Fagioli, and McKenny and Pogba. I guess I didn't. Yeah, I think I got them all there. And there's central midfielders, so I think I got them all there. In general, I always like to have you know one backup for each player, or one one backup for each position. So I guess that does. I mean, I guess it does mean we have one player too many. So I mean, you could say sell McKenny. I don't know. I I wouldn't make any sales in central midfield to at least the summer honestly because again i mean how long like pogba is going to be back after the world cup is he is he going to be is he going to need time like he is out to kind of like you know 20 minutes here 20 minutes there to kind of get back into it so i personally for sake of safety would not wait until i would wait rather until at least the summer to make any kind of sale but yeah i mean based on form at the moment i mean it probably would be yeah, I guess it would be McKenny to go, but then, like you said, Sam, we got to think about Paredes. Is loan deal is that going to be redeemed? I mean, who knows? Who knows? You know, but let's assume that is not. So then you have minus one there, and then you could say, okay, well, you know, that could be the minus one rather than McKenny. Um, so uh, I mean, I'm I don't want to jump too fast, and I mean, I don't think McKenny has had a horrendous season. He's been. I mean, he's been on and off. His, yeah, he's had on and off games. He's had some very good and then just kind of an inconsistent season. But I mean, I don't definitely don't think he's had like a disastrously bad season that just like justifies selling him right away. I think he can definitely do better and definitely more consistent. And, you know, he still has his best to show. But to me, nothing that warrants like selling him in a hurry. Yeah, I guess that's 
you know. I mean, at the end of the day, he's one of your more saleable assets right now. Yeah. And you can make a decent profit off of him because the 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 amount of money you paid Schalke for him wasn't all that much. And like I said, this is a I don't necessarily enjoy talking about the the profit and loss of the transfers when it comes, you know, as I've I've always said, you know, as you know, we're Juventus, we don't we shouldn't be adding that, tallying that up like a prov- like a provincial club. But right now, given the financial problems that we're having especially if a big world cup jacks up his price a couple million dollars euros whichever <laughs> and if it becomes a strike while the iron is hot situation if he has a really good world cup i think then you kind of have to it, if it becomes an offer you can't refuse kind of thing but then of course i mean like i said i mean he's still injured right now and i mean assuming presumably he will be ready you know in time for the world I think- cup but i mean who knows i mean you know? I mean, he's been called up, so. Yeah, yeah. But, like, fitness-wise, I mean, you know, look at, I mean, all these players just dropping like flies with injuries for the World Cup. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm about know. to write, I'm about to write a piece for that for the dot-com about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's. That, yeah. I've, I've been enlisted to do that for the main site. <laughs> and, oh, nice. And nice, be, nice. Uh, best, best players not going to the World Cup. And it's both, you know, no, no qualifies and injuries and. You know, you've got a bunch of guys like uh, Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba, and like who was uh, England just lost a guy did uh, this week, didn't he? Um, uh, Madison or something like that. Or I think well, he's, Madison he's, from Leicester. He's fifty-fifty. Yeah, I'd read about him. He's touch and go, basically. Uh, yeah, a, yeah, but but you know, there were there were all of these all of the talk lately, even on the Premier League uh, halftime show or pregame show this week on NBC. On, on the on the, the universal networks here in the in the states they openly talked about you know if you're going to the if you know you're going to go to the world cup are you putting out your big your top effort right now because one tweak means it's all over so, so you know that was so much taken into account uh but yeah with with McKenney, from everything i understand he should be ready for the world cup and even if he even if he doesn't play like I said, there, there, this this is just going to be such a week because of the World Cup. This is going to be such a weird transfer window. We'll see. We'll see how it works. We'll see how it happens. Yeah. All right. Next question here from at Amit Champaneri. One, how gutted are you all that we are now entering a break for the World Cup after hitting this level of form? Or do we see this as just the start with Chiesa, Pogba, etc. coming back into the team post World Cup? Yeah. I mean, of course, it's unfortunate that this that the break comes at such a, you know, such a great run of form. Although, I mean, about what, a week and a half, two weeks ago, we probably would have been wishing for (laughs) the break to be coming. So, uh, yeah, I mean, how quickly things change. Yeah, I mean, I'll see the positive in it and just see it as a time for, you know, again, for Chiesa to get into fitness, uh, for Pogba to, you know, come back to full fitness as well. And for the likes of... um, yeah, I mean, who else was injured? Uh, for likes of the mighty Matteo De Chilio, um, to be back. <laughs> Thank you, Sergio. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, just for players to get kind of a semi rest. I mean, of course, they'll still be training and be doing some, you know, friendlies here and there. But I mean, really, they're going to be getting a bit more of a rest, right? Than the players going to the World Cup. So you know, likes of Gatti, Fajoli, Locatelli, Locatelli, especially. I mean, he's been he's been playing a lot of minutes too. Um, 
the Equilado as well, you know, just for players like that to get some get some rest. So, yeah, I mean, I try to look at the positive of it and see it as a yeah, as a way for again, for the likes of Pokemon Chiesa to get back to full fitness and for uh, yeah, for the Italians uh, in the squad to to get a rest. Miretti as well. I mean, Miretti's played a lot of minutes, too. So, uh, yeah. See and, the there, and you, you mentioned the Italians. They've got a couple of friendlies with with Italy. Uh, to oh, play right. before they yeah. basically yeah. what have two days of training with Roberto Mancini and then it's a that's a friendly against Albania, I believe. So yes, yeah, yes. They're, they're, and then uh, I think it's it's what Austria on the same day of the World Cup again. So yeah, good times there. Yeah, I could never leave uh, leave no gap unfilled in the in the schedule, man. It's right. it's really just remarkable. <laughs> Jeez, uh, Albania, just... the Albania game is on Tuesday. <laughs> So one day of training. No, when no Wednesday. Check yeah. that Wednesday. Uh, yeah, and then the Austria game is on Sunday. Yeah. So. And when does the World Cup start? Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Sunday. Yes. Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday is, wow, why? Why is FIFA letting them do that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then, and then Euro qualifying begins in March. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, and we wonder why the players are getting injured. <laughs> that January. February, March run of games without a break is, ooh. yeah, and that's and that is something that, as, as as much as there is momentum there, like you you know I think that you said it, Chuck's I think the best is that that this will finally get that this just obscene run of of games without a without any rest, and it, it'll give some some players some some real time to rest themselves. I think that's a I think that's a big uh, a big thing, and like and also get you know Giza regaining that strength, Pogba uh, hopefully being back, and also it could disrupt our momentum. It could also disrupt the momentum of a team like Napoli. So it's a six in one, half dozen in the other. I think it could be really good. It could be not so good. Well, then we'll we'll ask the uh, devil's advocate question here from. At Juventino underscore BNA, do we trust Juventus to keep this form after the break, or are we going to have to give Max Allegri another ten to twelve games to build momentum again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having Cremonese coming out of the break certainly helps. The Nicolo Fagioli Derby. The yes, right. hold on, I'm looking at that. It's Cremonese, then Udinese, who have been who have fallen off a little bit. Yeah. It's just such a unique situation. I mean, it's 52 days in between games. Yeah. And yeah, Juventus have what, 11 or 12 players going to the World Cup. But I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, it, you just don't yeah. know. I mean, this has never happened before. Yeah. And then the third game after the season returns, guess who it is? Uh, it's Napoli. Napoli then, yeah. It's Napoli. That's huge. Um, yeah. Napoli, then Monza in the Coppa Italia. And then Atalanta. Yeah, so I mean, uh, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a quick. You get those two games against against teams that are eminently beatable. Udinese is kind of broken off from that initial, you know, run of of super form that they had at the beginning of the year that had everybody wondering. And then you have two big ones, and it's time to, you know, see. Do you are are you in form? Do you have those guys? Are is Napoli in form? We'll see. And I mean, in fairness, like, you know, we talk about Juve's run of form, which, you know, obviously results have been great. But in fairness, I mean, you know, we talk about the six games. The first 
two of the six, I mean, were pretty bloody bad games. I mean, well, sorry, uh, the first one, rather, Torino. The first that Torino game was, I mean, you know, it was basically a, it's like a Elas Verona game. So, you know, you know, looking at that game and then we had to Lecce, well, then we had to Empoli win 4-0. That was obviously great. And then the Lecce game was, you know, pretty god-awful as well. And then the Inter game, which was great. And then the Verona game, which was god-awful. And then the Lazio game, which was great. So, it's, I mean, obviously results have been good. But, you know, I mean, three of those six games were, I mean, pretty bloody dire games. <laughs> but, and then three of them were very good. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, hoping that we carry that form forward. But, yeah, I mean, against the Cremonense, we're probably going to have the same type of performance as it, like against Verona and Lecce, which is going to be, you know, pretty uninteresting. But hopefully get the three points there. All right, a couple of quick ones to wrap things up here from at Bachisabi. What will be the key to picking up again in the new year? Does it depend on our players having an injury-free World Cup? And I will say, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, injury-free World Cup is a big one. You know, it it, it also a lot will depend on. I, th- I also, you know, how long are our guys there? Because hold on, I'm looking at the groups now. You know, you you look at a team like Serbia and their group is they're actually in a group where it's not out of the question that they advance. Their their group is Brazil, Switzerland, Cameroon. Uh, that's going to be competitive in the extreme. I think if you're if our guys leave early, that'll also be a lot of, you know, it's a lot of wear and tear that the team doesn't have uh, that the players don't have and and a lot more time to reintegrate with the team. Just there are so many variables right now in, in all this because, like you said, Danny, this has never happened before. Yep. Nor should this happen before. This no. sh- nor should this be happening right now. No. Nor should it ever happen again. Correct. Well, I think. Sorry to play devil's advocate. I think wasn't the Korea World Cup during the winter because of the monsoon? South no. Korea, Japan. No. Really? No. You're you're testing my history minor a little too much, Chuck. I want to say it. I remember because it was kind of the monsoon. No. Uh... That was played. If anything, it was played early. It was uh, play. It started in. It started in the last day of May. Okay. Yeah. And ended in yeah, the, and ended on the last oh, day okay, of yeah. June. I knew it was different. I just forgot how it was different. Yeah. Um, it it was. Yeah. That 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 was started early. Yeah. 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 Um, there, there you go, dear listener. Your your history lesson for today. <laughs> yeah, right. If only they had started uh, Byron Moreno's brain a little earlier ah. in that World Cup. <laughs> like like you said, this is this is totally unprecedented, and it never should have been precedented, and it should never be precedented again. Uh, all these all these presents. Before I get to the last tour question, I would just say this: It's okay, guys, because Sepp Blatter came out last week and said that this is definitely a corrupt World Cup. <laughs> Man, hell. No sh- Sherlock. Every, every, time Facebook's, every time Facebook screws up, Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> comes out and be like, oh, I'm sorry, we should do better, and then just goes off and like, moves on with his life. Man, I, man, I don't... I, I long ago stopped looking at press conferences as, or public statements as, I don't know, anything yeah. interesting or useful. All right, last question here from at Timbuk29. How happy are all the supporters now that Juventus is in third place? Uh, probably very. I mean, you heard. I mean, if you watch the game, you you were starting to hear cheers coming out. The venue was a lot. The stadium was a lot louder 
as the game went on than it has been for a lot of the season. Oh, against Inter, we had uh, Olays going on too. Yeah, we had Olays going on against Inter. <laughs> it was and it was, you know, you know, the, the the issues with the stadium and and the attendance and the atmosphere in the stadium have a lot to do with off the field stuff that that happens between ultras especially and the club and and fans have other issues you know ticket prices that sort of thing the ultras are still angry that they're not allowed to do anything they want because that's the way ultras operate but the other part of it was that it wasn't much of a product to go watch so why would you be spending the astronomical ticket prices that juventus are trying to charge to watch such dismal games where you're might not even be winning yeah, I rem- I remember when I went on the Maccabi Haifa podcast a few weeks ago, and they're like, "Why has Juventus Stadium been so empty?" I'm like, "Well, have you seen how Juventus has played lately?" Yeah, <laughs> but you you definitely started getting more noise these last two home games. If the team plays keeps playing like this after the break, I can see it being better, and I can see just a, a general better stuff coming out of the fan base. But it really is a it's a results oriented thing right now between the club and the fan base. And that's what we gotta see. You got anything, Chucks, or can I can I wrap it up? No, no, you can right. land that plane. Alrighty. Well, we uh we'll wrap things up for today. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. We appreciate them. And like last week, we got a lot of them coming off of a big win. So uh we we thank you all for sending them in. We weren't able to get to them, but we don't want to go too too long because we know that you guys like us want to (laughs) enjoy a little bit of the first few days of the world cup break so if you want to send uh twitter questions to us you can do so and follow us at juventus nation on the twitter machine uh follow us there as well as on facebook and on instagram where sergio was active today even though he was a little bit under the weather if you want to follow us on your favorite podcasting platform feel free to do so on apple Podcasts, spotify or google podcast if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a, a nice rating for us and all those good things. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio and producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>